get into gate this is episode 179 we're talking stargate atlantis my name is mitch joining me to get into gate team we got maddie yeah and we are including brendan this week he's back baby what's up brendan hey mate great to be back it is good to be back semi sober Well, we are recording this midweek, uh, just a little bit of a, uh, you know, behind the scenes knowledge. So not not that he's mm. sober, but yeah, not as drunk as he might be on the weekend. So, I mean, well, it's, yeah. and, it's, and it's not the only semi he's been during a recording either. So. No, got yeah, our no. pre-production meeting. Jesus Christ. I thought my camera was off. <laughs> no, it, 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 it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, it is good that you're back. It's good that we're back. And again, I'll start off by saying what I did in our last podcast. If you're listening live, this is only affecting you. Maddie and I come back and we'd all been off for a couple of weeks, uh, Christmas period, and we Months. just couldn't line up a chat. You know, hey, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> People forget. No, they don't. And we said, you know what? doesn't matter. We are back next week. I don't care what happens. We are back doesn't matter and then maddie said well i want everyone to be here still it's before i sleep we've been looking forward to this for ages so we've got to make it happen and then you know again shit shit happens in the way i've had a fun couple of weeks brennan's moving he's well he's been moving into a new house we're all here okay we're here for this bloody episode and thankfully i didn't like you maddie even though you've loved it i didn't watch it weeks and weeks ago waiting for this podcast recording i just watched it and it was my first Mm. time so it's all fresh and I know that you really want me to love it. So I've been banging on about this episode for how bloody long? I think since we started doing it. Four years. years. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Since we started Atlantis four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to episode 14. Um, yeah, I love this. So I was, I was really, I lo- would have loved to have gotten Reese and Lincoln here as well, just because I love this episode so much. Um, but I, I'm always worried when I love an episode this hard. I'm like, oh God, is this going to be the emancipation of Atlantis for me? Like, what am what am I getting myself? Oh, it's a bit into? better than emancipation. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> I never. It's a Although, weird episode, so I don't know. Like no I'm like, sick what? knife fight. If a weird had a sweet knife fight at the end, <laughs> it could have been ten out of ten. Imagine if she'd had a knife fight with the old version of herself. <laughs> oh, I was about to say the old bloke with the, with yeah. the beard, Merlin. But, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now imagine, imagine if she like just like just had this full wrestle match like in the infirmary. They each grabbed like a scalpel, and one of them did the. Re- reverse grip on it and they just yeah, like her and Carson. like one scalpel <laughs> one had an ancient sword well that's because they found out that you know carson's um you know back to sanctuary a couple of episodes ago when he was you know a little bit inappropriate with one of his patients maybe he was trying to put the hard word on the old <laughs> weir this time and she's like uh-uh-uh no 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 and they get into a fist fight that would have been awesome and she's like well it has been ten thousand years <laughs> Well, I reckon probably maybe 3,000 years because you've got to imagine every time she got out to like change the um, ZPM over, she was polishing that clam. She was spending a couple of hours, yeah. you know. That's just... one of my notes too. Um... <laughs> I mean, she... I mean, of you course know. it is. I mean, and I reckon, I reckon the... the um... The, the liquid of the ocean just increased a couple of mil every time she got <laughs> oh, out, Jesus. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Just, She's like, and I had the place to myself. I had the place to myself. Come on, now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever know? Yeah. And she just mazzed all over the controls. Yeah. Just everywhere. Is that why she put the sheets <laughs> down? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh no, we just started. Wow. <laughs> no, I was expecting this to be at the end. Yeah, I thought this was going <laughs> to be the end of the episode. Wow. I haven't even got to the synopsis yet, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and Rodney's got it on his hands because he <laughs> pulled it off the first time. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, God. All right, all right, let's get into it. Go away. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope that was one of your children, but it's like either or, it's not, yeah. Oh, it's annoying. (laughs) Whatever it is. (laughs) All right. Well, before we get into any more fun, let's get into the synopsis and uh, see what the episode's about and uh, see what we all thought of the G and PG version. The Atlantis team discovers a stasis chamber holding a woman who appears to be over 10,000 years old. We can't ask, it's rude. Excited at the possibility that she is one of the alien race that built Atlantis, you mean the ancients? The team decides to bring her out of stasis despite the risks to her health. But everyone is shocked when, once reanimated, the elderly woman identifies herself as none other than Dr. Weir. Written by Carl Binder and directed Bloody Andy Makita. Hey, we go. Now we he go. Did good, didn't he? We're hey, bringing in the guess. big guns of SG1. Yeah, I think this would might be his, his first Atlantis too. Who did you um, say wrote this? Carl Binder. He um Binder. he wrote so he's just been a freelancer. He, he went back and um God, he wrote only. he wrote demons back sister. in season three. <laughs> Demon has come. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's oh, the yeah. last thing he wrote, and then he just sort of did this one as a uh, he he pitched this episode as a, as a like a freelancer. Um, he's like, "What do you think about this idea? Just weird, just explosion, just all over ancient Atlantis." <laughs> and they're like, "Yes, <laughs> let's do it." Well, I guess it makes sense like that. Like, you think this is a pretty there's a lot going on, and it's a pretty big thing to happen. Like time travel uh you know uh, two copies of the same person blah 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 uh, you know essentially we're living in an in an altered timeline which yeah for anyone who knows anything about sg1 we may uh we may get into that at some stage uh, in the not too distant future but um i at the end i'm watching her sort of standing at the balcony looking at the ocean i'm thinking I, I don't know what the next episode of Atlantis is. I haven't seen it before, but I trust that we could watch that and this won't really affect anything as far as the character sort of stuff goes. Like, this is a mm. very weird episode. Like There is the stuff with the ZZPMs, but as far as a character episode, which this one was, I also feel like I don't think she's going to be a completely changed person for the rest of the season or the rest of the series, but it was a very important one for while we're watching Mm. it so him pitching it as a freelance it feels like something they could just go you know what we need something in the last you know third of the uh, of the series or the third of the season yeah why don't we throw makita's idea in there so um yeah it's it's like it's a cool idea but as far as like you know it's not just dropping into the ocean hoping no one notices like it's it's a big stuff like time travel and shit like that like it's you and know, there is, it's not unnoticed. There is a little bit of repercussion. So this episode itself is never really directly addressed again. But one of the, I think one of the best things that Atlantis has ever done in terms of just like a really subtle touch is that little jar that John gave her. Mm. And then she she spread the ashes from that from that jar. That sits on her desk in her office from now on. Oh, that's cool. She, so just, just a little touch like that. It's never referenced again. But I just love that it's almost like every time I see that on her desk, it makes me think of this episode. So yeah. it's like 
it does change her a little bit, but nothing that she kind of vocalizes. It's just something mm. that she carries with her. And then obviously the thing that does carry on a little bit is at the end of the episode when we get the, oh, okay, here's some here's some addresses for some ZPMs. Yeah. yeah. I think I glazed over a, a little bit at the end there because when, you know, she's spreading the ashes or whatever, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was in there the whole time. And I'm like, no, hang on, no. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, that was me. Can you imagine? They were given this as a birthday present and she put the ashes in there and then she's, I'm like, oh, like I just got carried away with the idea of, that time loop and that it was there the whole time but they never knew to look for it because it didn't exist and it was just like no 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 Mitchell calm down it's right in front of you well um, there there is a little bit of a motif there with um with Carl Binder and it's something that I want to maybe put out to Alban who's made some amazing little um bits and pieces for us um over the seasons but there was obviously the very the like the wind motif in this there was actually um uh, a scene that was cut of like when young Weir is walking old Weir through the um uh, through Atlantis she talks about oh it's nice to be breathing fresh air again like they go out onto the patio and talk about you know breathing fresh air and stuff again and obviously then she lets her ashes across the wind and stuff um, which would have tied in more to that but the funny thing is Carl one of Carl Binder's previous writing credits includes Disney's Pocahontas wow you know maybe yeah. we, maybe we could get a nice weird montage with some Pocahontas um she did Pocahontas didn't she you know a just, bit I just found it funny how John gave her that as a birthday present and then he comes out and he's like, oh, do you want to go to the meeting? And she's like, just give me a sec. And he's like, wait, you put your ashes in that? <laughs> You're spreading yourself? Weird. What the? What? You, what? <laughs> this is sick. He's like, I thought you were going to fill that with Vaseline. What are you doing? You know, we designed it so it would be like an ice bucket so we could get blind. Okay, this is, this is a, whole, yeah. a whole other thing. This is now my anal beads in that. Do you guys remember when you first watched this? And I'm going back, obviously, that, you know, this is what, 15 years or 16, 17, whatever, however long, I don't know, since we started doing Atlantis, it always changes because of where we are. Um, but when you first watched this, who did you, in that sort of 15 seconds where you get the feeling that it's someone that we know, even though they've been in stasis for 10,000 years, did you, did your mind race ahead thinking that it was, somebody else did you remember that re-watching it now that of who you might have thought about it i just remembered that the makeup was so good i never realized it was her until she mm. started speaking because i'm thinking oh it's got to be an ancient then if it's ten thousand years mm. and and then she kind of opens her eyes and then carson says she's saying weird things and she's saying rodney and elizabeth and whatnot and i was like oh jesus i didn't even realize it was her until now yeah right I tried not to, maybe I tried not to kind of put things together too much, not to ruin it or whatever for myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. The makeup was so good. I, I didn't click until like you hear her voice and they, and they start, like they tell us that it's Elizabeth. Mm. Up until that mm. point, yeah, like she's dressed like an ancient as well. So you're like, it's got, it's got to be an ancient. It's like, oh, wow, we're yeah. 14 episodes in, we're getting an ancient. Okay, this is cool. All right, let's do it. It gave me, did give me vibes of um, Michello back when you know Daniel mm. Jackson, yeah, Michael Shanks was in the in the Michello makeup. I, I was thinking think... that too, as a back, as back to SG One, how they get the addresses. It's like Jack getting the the ancient addresses back in fifth oh, race. Yeah, mm. that's right. Yeah, it's like yeah, an Atlantis version of that. I still think if if you were going to come to this podcast, Maddie, and and have the trivia that it actually wasn't even Tori Higginson wearing the makeup i would believe you because 
I feel like when we talk about Michello, like you look at that and you go, oh, that's Daniel. Like you can see Daniel there. Whereas I don't know. I think that. I didn't, know that. A... I didn't know that was Daniel. I didn't know that was Shanksy the first time I saw it. Oh, I just knew, like like rewatching and then you're like, oh, oh okay, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can see the Daniel. Whereas even like at the start of this, and they tell you like, you know, that was at least him playing a different character. Whereas this is supposed yeah. to be her just old. And I'm watching it throughout the episode going, I I think I can see, and I was kind of looking at her at the end of her teeth specifically going, I wonder whether I would have noticed that at the start and because, or even I wonder whether Weir would have looked at that and went, gee, like, you know, everyone's teeth is different enough. I wonder whether you would notice that if that was your particular yeah. set of You sparkles. brush them every day at least yeah. once, so <laughs> should at least, or in Reese's case, every third or second day. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, do they have toothbrushes on Atlantis? What did what did we do for ten thousand years? They have dentics. <laughs> well, I mean, on top of what we you know joked about at the top of the podcast, like I wonder how awake she was throughout that time. Like we get the idea that she mm. was very you know oh, three point three years because we've only got this and you're in ten thousand years, so we're gonna you know make it perfect. Um, you've got to wake up and you've got to turn them around, whatever, you know, switch things around and make sure the shit's still working. But I didn't get the feeling that it was like a really big job. So like technically that moment where she's there by herself and she goes and puts herself to sleep, then the moment really that she wakes up and she's old and she's talking to these guys, it might've only been like, it could have theoretically only been a matter of hours or days at most. Like, you know, she could have woken up and just thought, I'll have two weeks to myself and walk around and try and read some books and learn some stuff. But it otherwise could have been like, I I literally went to sleep this morning and I've woken up. It's 10,000 years later. I'm 70 years older. um, Mm. And here you guys are like, I kind of appreciate it in a way they didn't go into the specifics because you, me and you could all walk away from this and have completely different headcanon about, what the time well, is yeah two out of three people think that she masturbated somewhere in the city oh so, who doesn't who's the one who doesn't <laughs> no i'm just saying at least maddie and i said it yeah oh no 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 no. make it make it a threefer um it's definite it's a definite like it just it actually had that like i actually started playing that in my head when that moment where everyone was gone and she's standing there you know sort of at the top of the stairs and they had a really wide shot and they're just peeling away and I just, in my head, that song, I need a hero. That started playing and she just started yeah. dancing. Like it immediately turned into a dance. <laughs> <montage>. <laughs> and it'd be different, I think, if I was watching this episode for the second or third time and I was having fun with it. This is the first time I'm watching this very emotional. This woman is about to make the ultimate sacrifice and mm. essentially get no payoff again for those who are listening to us for the first time watching these episodes for the first time we won't spoil anything but there is another character that will make a great big sacrifice but actually get some gain from it um coming up in future episodes uh, of sg1 obviously because i haven't seen atlantis but we're here gets no payoff she gets to see that they make it tell them some stuff and then she dies she doesn't get to live and enjoy mm-hmm. that um, and I know that was a lot to do with her selflessness, which I actually really, I know, really liked. I really liked how she was kind of weird, just looking at young weird, going, I'm, I am you, and you're going to live on. So I've got heaps of time. Yeah. She's dead immediately, but she wasn't sad about it. And I almost wasn't sad about it as an audience member because I'm like, no, nah, yeah, you're cool. Like you've accepted it 
for the last 10,000 years or for the last eight hours, depending on how long it's been. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you yeah. think about it, I think it, if you sort of spend some time thinking about that part of the episode, it can get really, really deep. Because if you think about it, like for that, we are, that's day one of the expedition. Mm. Like, yeah. yes, she'd, yeah, been, God. Yes, she'd yeah. been in Antarctica for a few months with Rodney and, and Carson and that kind of thing. But that was like day one and just boom. And then suddenly her life's over. Like, and the fact that she was willing to make that sacrifice for essentially strangers in a lot of way, like she hadn't even, I mean, really, I mean, even like her and the team are still getting to know each other this early in the series. I feel like this is almost an episode you'd see in like the third season um, when we as an audience have connected them all and and they've become like this little family Mm. and it would make sense that, oh yeah, the weir we know would make that sacrifice, but to sort of get it so early on, I thought was a really interesting choice. And I think, retroactively i think the first time i watched this may have been the episode that i did fall in love with weir and she became sort of my favorite character i think very much like i said in atlantis where um i was a bit iffy on hammond for the first couple of seasons and and then we got his yeah i was like okay he's a bit of fun i feel like that was this moment this was weir's yeehaw moment for me where i was like oh okay so i think maybe if if i'd have been a first first watch for atlantis i might have been more like you guys, when you've been really hard on Weir in some of the early episodes that I was like a stand defending her. I was like, I think if I was in a first watch, I'd probably agree. It wasn't until this episode that I was like, yeah, yeah, I really love this character. So then going You still back, had an annoying bit for me. <laughs> I won't go into it. All right, come on, give it to us. <laughs> no, I think the, the, main, the main line was when Taylor, I think Taylor said, um, how, how did she make it 10,000 years or something like that? And Weir goes... <laughs> When she wakes up, I think that'll be the first thing I ask. Yes. Like, oh, come no, on. I Couldn't you just that. say, I don't know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Taylor. Next question. That's it. I, I heard her say that. I'm like, really? Did you have to yeah. say it like that? Well, Brendan's going to talk about that. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> and nor do I mind, but it's like everything else was fine. And then that, I mean, I know that was early on, but I was like, come on. Like, you don't need to say that. Like, you're yeah. just confused as she is you, and you can't blame her potentially stupid question on the fact that she you know she's confused we all are like you know let her have it for a mm. second and like I, I don't I've never disliked Tori as an actress because I think the way she played the older we was probably her best acting in the series mm. from my point of view mm. um, it's just those strange lines that they give her and I just don't see it. do they even like when the boys were doing that funny thing of well, at least I was, you know, heroic and, well, yeah. you, you you know, you could have saved all of us if you had to try better and whatnot. And she's like, gentlemen, focus. And they're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, it's just the lines, I think. Or maybe it, it is the delivery, but. Well, it, it does happen. I feel like and it, it is more and more apparent as the series goes on that Weir was never supposed to be as front and centre as she is. She was really only supposed to be in it as much as Hammond is in it, just one or two scenes. Mm. But Brad Wright has made it known that that Weir was his favourite character to write for, um, and he put her in more and more and more things. And I feel like yeah. I feel like he has a really good like idea of, of who Weir is and and what she's about. But I think some of the other writers don't get it, and that's when Weir does get those sometimes really odd yeah things where you're like, oh, that seems a little bit out of character for her. I don't know if they if they know how to write Weir properly. And I think for me, I yeah, I didn't like her in those four in those first kind of dozen 
or so episodes that we've done before, 14 or 15 now. But to me, it was like they made this episode because they felt like they stuffed her character up in a way. Oh, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, have we ruined this character? Or have we have we not made an enough effort for this character? So for me, it was like writers 101, how to attempt to rescue like an annoying character by using the retroactive continuity. Yeah, give us, like, give us something oh, to, to appreciate her for and to yeah. like, like about her. Yeah. We hadn't got that yet before. Yeah, she was oh, being this Step kind of... one, it's her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, step two, bloody, um, you know, make a sacrifice herself to yeah. save the expedition and the entire city and, you know... Step three. Indirectly, possibly the entire future of all humanity, if, you know, you wanted to go that deep into it. Step three, write a similar episode for Ford so he can get some screen time. <laughs> yeah, right. They just decided, you know what, that's way too much effort. You know what we'd have to do to retcon that? It's <laughs> yeah, too much effort. I think you're right, because, yeah, like, you know, if, if you don't like where you, you, there would be people that watch, you know, Atlantis or even as, uh, as early as her later appearances in SG1 going, well, why... Why does she deserve to be in charge of of the SGC, or mm-hmm. why why does she deserve to be um, the the leader of the uh, Atlantis expedition? And then this episode, well, we've gotten to know her over the last yeah fourteen fifteen episodes, and we've seen her show leadership qualities for better or worse, and have those arguments with different members of the team and different departments of the team, and we've had to question again for better or worse her uh, her actions. This episode takes us back to the very first moments that she was a leader of this of this Atlantis expedition and it still got to show that she was capable of making good decisions for the better of her team mm-hmm. and also not backing down when she's like I, I kind of had to pull myself out of the episode uh, about you know half an hour 33 minutes in before it really started to crank up and get into the uh, into the climax of the, of the app that we're surrounded by ancients right here i'm i'm looking at yeah that's pretty great more, more than we have ever seen before and on a lot of levels they're just as plain jane as any other alien we might have ever met before and their computer systems are exactly the same and beep beep beep, beep it all sounds the same interfaces look the same but at the same time we are surrounded by these guys we've been talking about for seasons across two different shows and we're looking at them going no go f- yourself i want to go back to my time and i understand mm. i'm not going to do anything wrong by you guys but you need to let me go back. She didn't just sit there and cop it. She still went and found it. She turned one ancient or helped turn one ancient against the rest of them for her own benefit. Obviously he did, you know, he didn't go against his entire race. He still traveled to earth with them, but like she got him to help her so that she could do yeah, right. He was by already defying Atlantis. them. Yeah. Mm. And, and do right by her own people. So, um, you know, I, I appreciated that that they actually you know she's been she's been right she's been just and, and deserving of this position since the very start and like or hate what she's done since she still deserves it now but she did back then as well so yeah, yeah. like it might be a retcon and a, and, a, and a bit of a payback for her character to to give her something that maybe she's lacked so far but I think this did a really good job in one episode too it's a big ask and I think yeah. they nailed it and then the way think, they so uh, seamlessly put in all the little Easter eggs too like. Yeah when you're watching the flashback and you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm watching the pilot. And yep. then suddenly you're not. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Could not so well tell. Done. Like, I could not tell whether they reshot that whole thing shot for shot or it was just an insert letter, but it was goddamn seamless. Yeah. And I'm like, hang on, they didn't get Sumner back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even that shot, I had to kind of think of it myself. I'm like, oh no, that, that is from the pilot. Shit. And then, yeah, and is then, it really? So I was, look, when I heard him over the radio and I'm like, Geez, that sounds like him, but it also sounds like it might not be because I don't think that particular line of dialogue is mm. from the pilot. Again, I've only seen the pilot once in this rewatch, but then then he's you know later on he's not in any scene. He's not on the radio when they're asking for him. So I was like, oh, maybe it's not him. But I, I just thought, you know what? This is fully in the show's capabilities to get Robert Patrick back for literally one shot or one scene. Yeah. Coming- some khaki and uh, and be in the show again. It would have been nice if they had brought him back for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. I wouldn't and be surprised if they shot some more and, scenes and he was yeah. maybe unavailable or something like that. Because as soon as like that scene ended with him in it, it's like, oh, Doctor Wick, can I see you at the control room? And her and Shepard went back, and it's like, hang on, if the Colonel is searching for. This- Searching the city for you know answers. Shouldn't Shepard, who's under him, be doing that too? Yeah, because it yeah. was just Shepard and we came back to see Rodney. Like, oh yeah, this is how. As an audience member, be like, oh, this is how it's meant to be. But yeah. going back to the pilot, Sumner should have been there. Yeah, he shouldn't be drowning it's just, it's in so the West subtle. Wing somewhere. It's so subtle the way that they do yeah. it. Yeah, and then and the then, other really subtle Easter egg was, and I'm I, I'm guessing this. I haven't done the legwork for it. But I'm pretty sure like when Weir goes to the past and she's talking with the council, the main sort of female ancient there with kind of the long sort of dark hair, that's the hologram from Rising. That's the hologram ancient that's telling the story. Right. That's what I I got. So Weir's meeting her in person. And then the other old coot, the guy with the white beard, and this is more of a, a forward sort of Easter egg, is that's Moros, a.k.a. Mirden, a.k.a. Spoiler, from a future episode of SG-1. Yeah, right. I think my favourite Easter egg is when um, Janice gets all his research and, and she's like, you're going to make another one? And he's like, maybe. We'll see what happens. And then that, you know, in yeah. essence, that's the one he made for It's Good to Be King. And I, and I think in, in the SG-1. original... Yeah, in the yeah. original sort of... Uh, play like run through of the episodes it's good to be king did come after this episode which i think right. is probably a better way right. to watch it i think i think this episode yeah. is probably a better one to watch before it's good to be king ah shit because um, but- i was wondering that in my head i'm like oh right so is that what we've already seen i'm like hang on no is that one that i'm gonna see in the future and then i'm trying to remember future episodes of sg1 that yeah, yeah. I haven't seen a long time, or it's a you know it's a it's a breadcrumb for a future Atlantis episodes. There's plenty of options and then, there, but and then it blows your mind to think, hang on, if we didn't travel back, would it's good to be king episode even exist? Mm. Yeah, like was you know, with those always pylons? going to? It's almost yeah. like I, I know, feel like he wouldn't have. Yeah, I feel mm. like we was the one that gave him the confirmation that yes, his his time yeah. jumper does work. So yeah. it kind of, you know, pushed him back into exploring that, which was really cool. And yeah. then a really nice touch too, I'm assuming this was a Carl Binder touch, is Janus is actually the Roman, is a Roman god. And he was the Roman god of doorways. And he was shown to have two heads, one looking yeah. to the future, one looking to the past. 
That was my first thought. It was a it was a Bond reference because there is a bad guy at one point called Yanis, and it's about him having two heads, and it plays into who his character is. Um, But yeah, that's why I was waiting for this guy to be like a bad guy of some description because he did seem so good. (laughs) But the way that the character, Mm. he had a real snaky face about him, the actor that he was putting on. I'm like, I don't know that I trust you all the way. But then he Mm. gave her the keys to the ship and the and the in the city and. Took a jump to Earth, and I'm like, I think oh. he was a bad guy in Charm too, from memory. He was like right. a season, he was like a season long baddie. Well, it is good to see people that generally look like cliche bad guys can actually get away and not play bad guys because you're like it's the I facial you hair. It's that yeah. greasy facial hair he had. I'm like, come on, man. You're happy for the work, but you don't want to be typecast as like run know, some dry shampoo through subsidiary. it for Christ's sake. <laughs> the very least. I think before you guys were talking about, you know, everyone got their hero moment and that sort of thing. You know, Rodney, you know, was sort of surprised that, wow, I'd like to think that I'd go out well, but, you know, now that I know that that's what I did do in a past life and, you know, even um, everyone else obviously trying to do the right thing and something, you know, where they're all trying to rescue people or whatever. And and then uh, on, the, on the ship, you know, uh, Shepard firing the guns that he didn't even know that he was able to do and destroying at least one Wraith ship, but then he went down in a battle. Like everyone had a real sort of heroic ending which was good but even as the story went along and you know the city starting to shit itself and it's starting to flood and this person's dying and Rodney better get out otherwise he's gonna drown and I'm like I I don't care about that Rodney obviously he did die even if he didn't die in his accident he's gonna die of old age or something because he's not here now my Rodney is but I think as a credit to the episode whether it's in the writing in the direction or in the editing or whatever there were it felt as a first timer, there were some serious stakes to this episode, even though the very story within the episode is redundant because it's done. Like all mm. these deaths, all these, all these threats and stakes happened 10,000 years ago. It doesn't mean anything to us right now. We're just hearing it as a story being told by someone who was there yet watching it. I felt, you know, it was like as on edge as I could feel watching that, that type of story. I'm like this, this feels like it means something. And I just thought that's a credit to the episode. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, And it's, it, it does tie into what Brennan was saying back in uh, The Defiant One, where he said, like, that's kind of the first time we see Rodney's character growth as yeah. kind of willing to make those kind of sacrifices and all like that. So I feel like this kind of episode, even though technically kind of it takes place before The Defiant One, because this Rodney never went through that, it shows that that was really deep down in him. He's, I feel it, it shows that he's one of those characters that, yeah, on the surface, he's really petty and selfish and, and all that kind of thing. But when it really, really matters, you can count on Rodney. Like mm. he, he will do he will do something for the greater good, like sacrifice himself to save other people um, when it when it really, really counts. Yeah. So, Especially um, when the door's locked and he has no choice. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to go out though. Jesus Christ, you just got to work and, there, and a whole giant room fills up. You're slowly watching your own death just coming. That would be you. the worst. Oh my God. Because you're just like, oh, I'm going to drown. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I mean? like, I mean, gun to your head, what, what do you reckon be worse? Death by drowning or death by being set on fire? Like, they're both going to suck, but which one, which one, you know, if you got to choose, which one are you going to choose? Oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've never come close to being set on fire or having anything burn. I can only imagine how bad that is. But, like, 
I, you know, you know what it's I like. Think when it's which one's worse? I think mm. burning is worse. Oh, burning would be worse. I think as like you mm. got to think as a pain that would that would that would be a more excruciating death. But, but you know, you die to the smell of like bacon or, or you know, as a silver lining. Yeah, as you die, but, you're like, is someone making bacon? But you just think if you if you're in a pool or something, or burning hair. <laughs> yeah. Oh. If you're like trying to test yourself holding your own breath in a pool or you're swimming at the beach and a, and a wave absolutely thumps you and throws you around, you don't know what way is up and you're holding your breath for like a couple of seconds longer than you know you're capable of. Like that pain and yeah. that pressure as your head starts to feel like it's exploding. And I'm like, that's a couple of seconds. The idea that you would be stuck in that situation, your head hitting the roof of whatever place you're in, uh, in, the, in yeah. Rodney's case, and like it just getting worse and worse and worse until your body just mm. dies of its suffocation and lack of oxygen. And, and knowing, like, and it's like, no. do you hold your breath or you just go, why am I holding my breath? Like, yeah. what, you know, what's the point? Yeah. In, in saying that, wasn't there an episode where Shepard threw a chair or a table or something through one of those windows in the balcony? Yeah, you're right. When he, remember when he was climbing up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's season so not like five, I think. Oh, okay. No, I was just thinking, wouldn't those windows buckle under the pressure? Because in in yeah. essence, when it's made a, when it's a spaceship, it's got the shield around it. That's what's holding it. But well, I would even, have felt that those, even underwater, those... like it, it had the shield, the you know, right up against it. But yeah, then, yeah, the shield was failing, so. So in, in theory, that water pressure would be so huge mm. that it would break the wind. Not saying they could probably survive that pressure either, but if you were able to survive the pressure, could you? You probably couldn't swim up either. It's too far. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'd far. rather try try to do that than. Well, maybe you can find like a you know that like in <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean how they had the boat upside down. Yeah, and use it as a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> to to walk under the ocean, dun, something like dun. that. You, you know, you get a pot dun, and you dun. shove it over your head and you just breathe <laughs> until you float away to the top. <laughs> Obviously oh, not. God. Obviously you'll be dead. But it's still funny. <laughs> no, it's, a bit of fun. it's a bit of fun. It's a bit fun. I'd rather have that than burn to death. I think. Yeah. <laughs> that does not look like. At least have thirty seconds. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do love like how much how cool this show is. Like. SG one, especially in that kind of sit the entire season seven, is searching for the city of Atlantis. So to have the start of this ep- episode where Shepard and his, or most of his team and and a few other people are actually searching around the city, and then they just in, they can actually explore in their own backyard instead of going off world, and they find the coolest shit in two mm. galaxies. Mm. You know what I mean? And they find this room. And a ten thousand year old person standing in stasis, and you're like, "This never happened in Stargate." SG1. <laughs> right? Like yeah, it happened to Jack. Yeah. Then, if, you, then... if you watch SG One, you're like, "Oh, Jack was in that." But if you're an Atlantis fan, you're like, "Wow, this is amazing." Yeah, they're not they're not finding the quantum mirror like you know somewhere in the in the in Cheyenne Mountain. Yeah. Like, they've got yeah. to go off world to find this cool shit. Whereas Atlantis, it's like. Yeah. And, even McKay says it. He's like, who knows what else is out? And it, it brings up that line that, that you've referenced a few times, um, Brendan, about this episode has the line about it's imagine searching every room in Manhattan. Yeah. Which is yeah. obviously where people... I think that's why I always assume, you know, yeah, it's the size of Manhattan. I think a lot of people have said, okay, so yeah. this is the size of Manhattan. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, so it's it is like you know they're sitting there wondering like what else could be out there, and and McKay's like Yildy's like I almost killed her, like I I shut down power to that thing like when we got here, like I almost mm. killed her, like it's yeah, it was so cool. It's just it's just good to think about after you watch you know seven, eight, nine seasons of Stargate combined with mm. the, you know it's just so cool to be like all right they're just starting off they're walking down the corridor and they find something awesome you wouldn't yeah. ever do that in shine mountain yeah <laughs> they walk like, down the as, corridor and they find the broom closet as well, there actually like is being... a ladies bathroom <laughs> like, you know what i mean as mckay's being really like, petty looking for like a bigger apartment yeah yeah <laughs> like, they managed Maybe to like throw that kind of character me, but i'm not married to it <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, so funny. Like we sit there and put shit on Joe and Paul for like writing an Earth episode and going, "Oh, let's bring Russia in," and "Oh, let's have uh, Teal have some domestic issues," you know, or something. I know that, mm. that those two might not necessarily be their episodes, but the idea that yeah, you can just go, "Oh, we don't have the budget to film," you know, we can't fly anywhere to go film in a forest this week. Oh, let's just film with the sets that we have. Let's turn them upside down and switch them around the room and. Oh, mm-hmm. what's in the box? Exactly what's in the box. Write an episode about the box. You know, yeah. Like, it's yeah, it's endless. Like, and like you said, it could be the city is as big as you want it to be. So they're they're in such a fortunate position. Yeah. And I think that's of, that's one of the good things yeah. that Stargate has done, especially Atlantis, is they never give us a definitive like size or or anything of, of Atlantis because it's like the second they do that, they eliminate potential story points later yeah it's like if we keep it vague you know star trek is very much okay here's the ship it's this many decks um yeah this, you can buy a schematic long. of it it's only got <laughs> it's only got this many people in it you know whereas yeah. stargate i find is just like let's just play a little bit little more murky and that way we're not going to write ourselves into mm. a corner and not be able to do something down the track i like it yeah there's just so many cool things about it and, and it's like could you imagine living there just like every day is something crazy Mm. is happening like this like i just imagined at one point where dr weir is wheeling out old elizabeth in the wheelchair into the gate room and then i just pictured someone walking up to her going hello dr weir and who is the patient that you have here today oh this is me ten thousand years from now yeah <laughs> okay no imagine, the, imagine the See gossip mill imagine the gossip mill like of all just the people just gossiping about did you hear yeah that's what i want I thought I wondered about all those extras walking past. Like, are they aware who she is? And like, mm. yeah, have they been talking about it for the last few hours in in the commissary or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> it was even just the idea of like it was, you know, it, it, the the inception of time of the ten thousand years because we're hearing a story from a weir who froze herself ten thousand years ago. But when she did that, she had also come from a time that was 10,000 years away from where she froze herself. Like it Mm. was closer to us, obviously, like, you know, essentially six months earlier in her own timeline. But it was, you know, it wasn't quite a 20,000 year story. But yeah, she's telling this story. And then halfway through that story, she's in a time machine and she jumps back 10,000 years. And you're like, what the? it's going on you know, like mm. like that <laughs> yeah. in itself is fun but i just i'd like i know we've seen something like it in what was that episode the the one with kinsey's president um is that the 2010 2010 i was about to say 2000 and i couldn't remember the name <laughs> uh but 2010 where 
that you know it, it it then went to show that well we are kind of living you know sg1 from that episode on we're living in an alternate version to the, the i guess what was what was supposed to happen the first time around you know what was supposed yeah. to happen was kinsey was going to be president we were going to make friends with these guys that were going to make you know uh us you know unable to have kids blah 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 Ashen. but that it, it felt removed enough Boring. because it was set in the future like you know we had the week previous was set in the now this episode starts in 2010 and it's it's just in the future whatever year that was made you know it was at least 10 years away and then only right at the end do we come back to 2000 and at the present so it almost seemed just like a what if whereas this one is oh no we're meeting someone who has lived through this shit she she herself is a product of that altered timeline from the ashen in her timeline Mm. you know like well, yeah, she, yeah. she is essentially. Just, <laughs> I love time that, travel, and that and that alters the ten thousand years in the past. Yeah, essentially as well, yeah. because like uh, like the ancient lady said, you attacked the wraith. Yeah, and then now, Jomar Seku, whatever his name is, is going to make another time machine. Yeah, yeah, and like you guys said, like the fact we, you know again it might have taken place after this, but um that episode from the other week of sg1 like that episode doesn't exist without this episode and its storyline happening it's just no i'm (laughs) i'm i'm glad you brought up 2010 because obviously like not to open old wounds but that was something that we had a very much like just long drawn out conversation i heard them say those words in this episode and i thought oh god is this why maddie was really excited to have a discussion i'd I'd completely (laughs) i'd really i'd completely i'm such an idiot like when we were talking 2010 I'd completely forgotten that like I'm talking for like 15 minutes straight in that bloody episode and just so badly trying to explain what I'm trying to get across. And you guys are all like, you're full of shit, you idiot. Forgetting that basically in about 15 seconds, McKay conveys exactly what I was trying to say to you guys, but Mm. I just didn't have the right vocabulary. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd remembered that he had that little phrase. It would have made things so much easier. Looking at yourself, how you'll be, actually how you will be, will be different than how she is right now. See, the moment she went back in time, she created a separate reality, a second you living in a, in a, in a, in a parallel world, according to one of many interpretations of quantum theory. I mean, simply put, this interpretation states that uh, the universe is in fact split into an infinite number of copies of itself in which every possible outcome to every decision ever made all exists somewhere in this infinitely layered multi-universe. Something put. Yeah, so that's essentially what I was trying to say back in 2010. It's like, if, if I'd remembered this episode, like that particular section of it, essentially Weir is the piece of paper from 2010. Like the piece of paper mm. is the thing in 2010 that we send back in time to, you know, to create an alternate reality where stuff goes right. And that's what happens in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's- if you listen to 2010, that's why I'm, I'm more towards what recent Lincoln was saying, but I'm also kind of on the fence in terms of, are we talking actual science? Cause in my eyes, you know, an alternate timeline and an alternate reality are two separate story construct ideas. Yeah. In science fiction because obviously I have no idea about the science. I understand well, that it. it's, They're all theories. It as, creates as McKay, a fork in the road. 
but and once in 2010 they throw the piece of paper in so that universe goes away essentially or everybody dies yes yes and no i guess like and, if- and it doesn't do anything you know what i mean yeah so it's like do they continue that that timeline continue or does it not continue obviously it does continue so it's an it's an alternate timeline but if you turn talking terming traveling through time and a different and an alternate timeline or an ultimate reality in terms of a storytelling device then it you know, it's two names. It's two separate things in my yeah. In you're most right. It's, it's very different in terms eyes. of talking about a scientific theory and a writing tool. Like those are two very yeah. different, different sort of things. And I think that's where we got bogged down in 2010. Is we should have been talking about it more from the writing point of view than yeah. the actual sort of scientific theories that are out there. Like like McKay said, it's one of many interpretations of what what could happen. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think I remember saying to you, I don't know whether we spoke about it much in the podcast, but I might have even spoken to you off, off air, you know, just on a phone call once, maybe like weeks later, and we were laughing about it, and I was like, you know what, we actually, you know, we we all argued the other week, but I think no, we, you know, our problem was there were three different terms being thrown around in that podcast between the two different opinions about what they meant, and there was timeline, reality and universe yeah and you might have been using uh universe and and reality and we were using timeline and reality or something now we shared one particular term but in your head it meant a different thing than what we did whereas our timeline meant what your reality did or something so we actually we're essentially talking about exactly the same thing but i think we got caught up with what in your head, you know, uh, example A is reality, example B is universe. Well, for us, example B is reality. And so because they didn't exactly match up in the way that we were trying to explain it verbally, we we're all, you know, scratching at each other that we're, the other person was wrong. Mm. And I remember we kind of agreed on it that night, just you and I, and you, you had a whiteboard ready and you were going to do it all. And then we got off the phone and I'm like, no, nah, him he is wrong and i was like getting angry about it again it was yeah it was, it was like <laughs> one it was like you agree with me 90 percent of the way and then there was one thing you said and you were like Hold yeah on. it was a roll. deck of cards honestly no. it, yeah. it was a whole as a house <laughs> card sorry and you took that one card it just completely took away the agreement but it's funny you just you guys just summing it all up then like we're nearly it two was kevin years. spacey grabbing one too many dicks that's what it was <laughs> <laughs> we're nearly and i don't want to you know use my trump card and use my reference but i will take it but it's funny because that 2010 was god how long ago we talk about that at least three years i guess season like, four yeah, right. Uh, so it's yeah. it's a while ago. It was pre Avengers Endgame, right? And I only say that because in in that they very clearly before they start talking about time travel, they look at the audience basically and they say, "Hey, all the other mainstream movies that you watch and the way that they deal with time travel that they go back to their own timeline, they change something and their future's changed." That's bullshit. That's not how real science would work. You know, even if it's the real mm. science within their own mm. film, they go, no, 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 we're doing something completely different. We're going to go back or we're going to go across or sideways or whatever to essentially a different timeline or a different reality and at a different point in time and alter something there to help our own thing. And it kind of made up its own rules to sort suit out its own story. Even I remember those being rules... so confused when they were yeah. saying all that because they started using different terminology like branch realities, 
which is kind of what I was talking about, but I'd never heard it referred to that way before. Mm. So it was like another interpretation along similar kind of lines. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm trying not to get lost here, and I think in my own sort of um, example, but I think somewhere in there with what you guys were just saying, it reminded me of Endgame. And as far as Endgame was kind of saying, everything else you watch in the mainstream, I'm sure if there are those other really in depth indie time travel type stuff that you watch that are based in some kind of real science or it's literally shit that will melt your mind, it's different. But mainstream, your Back to the Futures, your Terminators, and all that sort of shit, forget all that. That's not how it works. Strangely though. I'm almost leaning on Endgame to help maybe work through what they did in this episode. Not that I needed it because mm-hmm. they've already done this in Stargate before, but just the idea that, yeah, you, it's, you're not so much affecting your timeline because your timeline is already done. You know, her past was actually her future mm-hmm. or whatever for, for, yeah. for past Elizabeth. She was never going to fix her own thing just by going back or going into stasis and waking up and seeing them, or even if she was able to be woken up at the very time that they come through the gate. I mean, maybe that is the big question. Maybe if Rodney hadn't have turned off that thing, you know, has enough stuff changed that she would still remain an old person in our timeline, um, quote unquote, or Mm. would she have woken up, seen them change something, and then she would cease to exist. They would cease to exist. And the original timeline would have therefore played out the way that it always would have I, I otherwise. I think the only time, and this is, I guess, more of a writing thing more than a, than a scientific thing, I think the only time they really get into the things disappearing and things merging is when it's like a paradox. Yeah, right. And I feel like 1969 is a really good example of a temporal paradox because... like When the, the Stargate disappears. Well, no, well, the, the effect precedes the cause. So it's like before they've travelled back in time, Hammond gives them the note with the information that they need even before it's happened because when they travel back in time, mm. he's already experienced that. So that's kind of one of those temporal paradoxes where if stuff disappeared, like, yeah. I would believe it. Whereas I think this kind of thing, this in 2010 to me is like, if we break it down really, really simply... If I, if I was able to time travel and I traveled back in time to the start of this podcast, you guys would keep going, but I wouldn't be here because I'm no longer in this time. But if I traveled back in time to the start of the podcast, suddenly there's another podcast where there's you two and God forbid, two of me. Like, <laughs> That's hot. And that, that <laughs> timeline, reality universe didn't exist before mm. until I went back in time and created that branch reality. Now it's like, you guys aren't going to cease to exist just because I went back in time. So you guys can still explore this universe, this world, this galaxy, this universe. Whereas me going back in time, I have my own galaxy universe to explore so for me that's how i reconcile timeline because you use time to travel yeah but there's still a a universe for me to explore so that's why that's in my mind that's how i can reconcile an alternate timeline and an alternate universe being the same thing because we both have our own universe literally like planets and galaxies and stuff to explore so that's kind of how i reconcile it in my brain so the way I reconcile it is I try to use the SG-1 canon in a way because when they use, when they travel back in time, they say it's a timeline and then they seem to, like, for, for instance, remember 
when they use the quantum mirror for the second time in, I think it was Point of View, where Carter from an alternate, another reality comes through the mirror with Kowalski. And then she starts having these, I don't know, episodes where oh, she's shivering yeah, and going out yeah. of, yeah. So for me, it was like, oh, so they can't, and Carter goes on about, they can't maintain the same space. So does that mean, in essence, in this episode, we're and we're shouldn't be in the same space because they're essentially the same Yeah, that's a good point. I guess my, my internal chronology has always been like, oh, that fritzing is like a side effect of the mirror itself, the way the mirror itself I don't think stuff. that's what Carter but said that. No, no, you're right. It's it, That's something that I've kind of put in my head because I'm more towards the other way. But you're right. Like, obviously, what the quantum mirror does is just another, like McKay was saying, it's like one of many interpretations of the many worlds theory. It's just someone else's interpretation of it. And it makes sense. Like, when they went through point of view, it's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. And it's something that sci-fi has used a lot. Like, you know, when they talk about, you know, I mean, even back to the future is like, you know, don't ever talk to yourself, you know, when you, when you travel through yeah. time or don't, you know, yeah. stay as far away from yourself as possible. Time and cop. It's... Yeah. Don't touch yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as, stuff like as that. As hot as that seems, you know. But I, I think that's. <laughs> We've spoken about that before. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's kind of the interesting thing with SG1 is they kind of explore all of those different, because they have such a large writing team, they explore all those different scenarios in believable ways like is, there's no way like i watch 2010 or before i sleep and go this is a better or worse episode than 1969 even though they kind of contradict each other and the same with point of view yeah. and all that like they all contradict each other but SG1, yeah. they do it in such a good way that i don't care i'm like yeah that's that's yeah. a valid that's a valid way of doing it like there is there are further episodes like even 2010 like almost retcon 1969 because in 1969 the stargate was there and then it wasn't and then we had to travel whereas like that doesn't happen in in 2010 and then going forward in like season 10 or maybe one of the movies or whatever it is there's more sort of looping a a sun version of time travel and it's like the rules from 1969 are ignored but it doesn't it doesn't lessen my enjoyment of 1969 it's you know Mm, it's all really interesting different sort of mind ways to think about the multiverse and time travel and, and all those kind of things. It'll almost be an interesting experiment at the end of the podcast, just to pick out the time travel and timey wimey episodes and watch them sequentially. Mm. Like, yeah. You'd probably get really frustrated with it. That's what I mean. Well, like, <laughs> right now, you, like we're going, Oh, I, like if you're going to contradict and Brendan's heavily agreeing. Cause you guys have seen all these where I'm like, Oh, I never really thought about it before. Like, cause I'm watching 1969 in season two and then I'm watching 2010 yeah. in season three or four or whatever it is. And, and then I think this. Um, season nine or 10, there's ripple effect. And that, Mm. they're using the stargate but they're experiencing alternate realities and alternate right. universes but not time travel so yeah. it's, it's another sort of different way of using yeah so it's and they're all that they're all great episodes they're all really because i love that kind of shit like i remember mitch you and i and did lincoln come out was it just the two of us we, we went and saw predestination which is i think the oh. most yeah, mind I, mind movie in existence when it comes to temporal paradoxes it is just i still don't completely get it like as to this day that was what 2014 2015 yeah 
I still don't completely get it, but did I love it? Yeah. Like we just came out and I think for 10 minutes, we were just in complete silence, just kind of trying to process what we'd seen. I'm trying to think of the movie now and I probably should have done it when you guys were talking and I might still try and do it, but there's one I've literally, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's the king daddy of time travel movies. And I want to say that it's foreign, but I don't know for sure. I might even have a legal copy I mean, of it somewhere. All movies I are foreign to someone. That's it. Well said. Oh yeah. God, hey, here I was being so selfish in my own little, in my own little <laughs> bubble. <laughs> no, you're all foreigners. Um, Oh, I almost had it there. It's 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 it's. One it wasn't word. that one where they get into the box and they're like, "Oh, I mean, you have to wait, like in real time or something, to go backwards." Yeah, what was that movie? That I can't does remember. Super that was familiar. weird. Like you have to wait in the box for ten minutes to go back in ten minutes in time or something. There's, there's Primer. A... Primer is the movie yeah, I am thinking it. of. Oh, is that it? Uh, uh maybe. I, yeah, I th- that's when you said it. I thought that might have been it. I've never seen it, and I've I've just got a, a friend who is uh, he's very intelligent. It's around and the he, time, and he said in 2004 that was Prima, yeah, yeah, that and, was it. That was it. And he was like, "This, it's it's you need to watch it." And I've I've had podcasts of people talking about this, uh, referencing it, not talking about the movie, but they they said it's a watch it 20 times and you still will probably have no idea what you're watching, but mm. you will love it enough to keep wanting critics to reviews. Not recommended for entry level time travel theorists. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, Mitch. We got to interview Matthew Riley, one of our favorite authors, a couple of years ago, and he was at the time the book wasn't out yet, and he was telling us about it. I have the book now, but I haven't read it yet. It's a really the way he described it to me is a take on time travel that I've never heard of before. But his thing it's like time travel, like time moves like a like a corkscrew or like the thread of a screw, and it's like you can only jump to like certain points that line oh, up with it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that hey, yeah. that was a mind to me. And I'm like, I really need to read this book. I've got it. It's The Secret Runners of New York. That's it. Yeah. It was yeah. Something, I knew it was something, something, something in New York. Yeah. So I, I really want to read that. I've got it here. I just um it's it's in my pile of to read. Well that yeah. kind of that kind of when you're saying that corkscrew effect when they're in the, when Weir and Shepard got into the jumper and then they were in the jumper bay. And then next minute, they jump to mm. in orbit over Atlantis. Yeah. I was like, oh, because time and space is relative. So if you're traveling in time, that might not necessarily be traveling in space. And I'm like, hang on, 10,000 years ago, Atlantis, where Atlantis wouldn't even be where it is in physical space mm. so you would be light years away from where it actually is in the galaxy yeah, yeah. because the galaxy is you know what spinning. i mean yeah it's rotating and then it's like if if that's the case it's like they could and expanding yeah. yeah and yeah. they they could have appeared like in the molten core of another planet or in a sun yeah like it, so yeah. it does then tie into uh, i'm trying to not ruin anything but an episode of sg1 involving stuff like this it's like it's almost like Janice corrected that problem in future episodes. Mm. Like of it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it when we get to it. But I'll what what do I say? I'll Mobius, put a pin, I'll mean? put a pin in that one. I'll put a pin in that one <laughs> and we'll talk about it um later on. Oh, they didn't explain that either, you know. No, not at all. They didn't say anything about it. It's like, oh, what happened? Oh, nothing. I just did this, and then all of a sudden the rafe was shooting at him, so they kind of 
didn't ever go back to it mm. or explain it at all. And you're just supposed to cop it. For me, it was like a story arc of saying, oh, this is a good way to destroy the time traveling jumper as soon as they get there. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't want to like give you the hope. Have that it they, to that reuse. Yeah, that we're all... <laughs> Or that we're going yeah. to go to Atlantis, they're going to give us a ZPM and then we're going to take it back to the present or anything like that. Yeah. Like, no, we're not giving you any of that yeah. bullshit. We got back in time when we need to be, yeah. blow that bitch up, done. And it's funny too, with the even though we in the same 42-minute block, we do get the um, ZZPMs that we need. But the, the fact that they found a note of of gate addresses in her pocket or whatever at the start of the episode almost to like a dumb viewer that i am it doesn't at the end feel like oh that's a cop out like oh they need zp and she just got them like but it's like oh i wrote them in my pocket i had a note there for rodney to find or whatever mm. in case i never in case never woke up and it's like oh my god that was at the start of the- it'd be different if it was like oh my god that was from last season we found a note mm. and we've wondered what it was this whole time it was at the start of the episode. So it is just as convenient, but I think just narratively in the way that you write it, if you place that in the first three minutes of the script and it is, it wasn't even like a Chekhov's gun situation because it was like, oh, there's a note of gate addresses. Oh, we've already been to one of these places. Cool. I didn't sit there thinking for the rest of the episode. What about the note? Where's the note come back into it? I want to find out more about the note. If they didn't bring that up, I wouldn't have cared. But the, when they do, and I'm like, oh my God, they've had that the whole time through this story that's been going for three days. Like who really gives a shit so um, and i guess it does tie into what we're talking about earlier about what we was doing when she was rotating the zpms it's like well apart from masturbating (laughs) well did she did she She was researching did did she write that note (laughs) before janice put her in the first time or when she woke Mm. up on one of those two times did she go and do some of her own research and where did she get paper from like do the the ancients (laughs) use paper yeah did she find an ancient notepad Toilet paper from the first time she woke up, and then by the time she woke up no. three and a half thousand years later, it had hardened. <laughs> yeah. Just scribble on. What I did find interesting, though, like she was the commander of SG One, so she knows what a gate address looks like in the Milky Way in terms of the the glyphs, uh, the the constellations. Whereas mm. the note they gave her was the Atlantis gate. So if it is day one for her, assuming all she did was rotate the ZPMs. Why is she writing data, gate addresses like the Pegasus gate system? Yeah, like, is that something Janice, like how much time passed between when she got there and when Janice left? How much research yeah, did, did she, she just, do? How much did, she, how much did Janice teach acc- her? Acclimatise to the, yeah, yeah. Mm. Did she just acclimatise the way that they did in Pegasus? Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting because she spent a lot of time in SG1. So I would have thought by shorthand, she would have gone, oh, this one, you know what I mean? Was is the, yeah. the Orion glyph or whatever. She did. Yeah. I would have just, I would have done the dot to dots. That's what I would have done if I was her, but she did the <laughs> every single dot. Like if you look at that bit of, bit of paper closely, it's How the Pegasus much would gate it address. Suck, like oh. handwriting Pegasus gate addresses compared to. Yeah. Milky that's what Ray I mean. Like I'm like, like that's way that too hard. <laughs> it'd be like Braille. It'd Maybe be she like, could uh, live for longer. Do I really want to write Braille? Hey, do you reckon, did they show her rotating the ZPMs? Cause I think I kind of went out of the room no, for a second, no. just had my headphones in. 
No, I they... think the only time you see them is is when she's retelling the story and Janice shows her the ZPM room and she's like, oh, yeah. three whole ZPMs. And then later on before yeah, he's yeah, leaving, yeah. he talks about how he's rewritten the program so Atlantis will draw power from each of them sequentially rather than all at once to give them the power they need in 10,000 yeah. years. And also then he slips in that little thing, oh, he's written a subroutine that will make Atlantis rise um, when it gets to a certain power level. Yeah. Which is obviously in our reality what, so, what saved us. Because the thought of came to mind was when Rodney said, oh, we, we shut down all secondary power systems. I'm like... Because we didn't see her rotate the ZBMs, we didn't see her age. So was she Dr. Elizabeth Weir for the entire six, six and a half thousand years and even for the next 3,000 years until Rodney pressed that button, which kind of oh. tinkered with, with the stasis chamber and made her old? Could she have been I'd kind of always young ass- Elizabeth? Yeah, I'd always I- kind of assumed that she's she's a hundred she's the equivalent of like a hundred or whatever but it took yeah. 10, like even though when she's in suspended animation she is still aging just very like one hundredth yeah. of a, but you make a good point yeah is it, you know yeah i took it that like she would have barely uh, you know barely aged ten thousand years but i guess it's almost like uh how well how how many thousand years it had been like something similar with the frozen chicken ten thousand ten thousand right and she hadn't aged like and that oh, was just when she was frozen in antarctica no. that's yeah. it like that um, was just that was just no because what did the start of atlantis say that was start like of atlantis several, was several million, million years, years ago, ago. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. So she okay. was frozen in ice for several million years. Right. Okay. And she was the same age, but she had the bubonic, ancient bubonic plague. Yeah. That's okay. why she died. And then she used she her healing. Had healing to, she had the healing factor. Oh, so she, that's I mean, why she died. She could have been healing herself yeah. as well. You yeah. Know. Okay. Yeah. No, I just took it that it was almost like yeah, oh, well, you know some of the gas was being leaked out, and so she was aging faster than she ever had in the last ten thousand years. Um, but yeah, like if she's been there six months, she's like aged six decades or something, you know. Imagine, imagine um, yeah. if... Um, I mean, I, I always thought the stasis pods, you know, were stasis, but yeah, you, you age gradually throughout. Yeah. Um, it would be cool but to yeah, see yeah, that was Just my first a... thought when Rodney said, I could have killed her. I'm like, maybe you actually did. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you did kill her. Yeah. Just slowly. Imagine if there was like a like a, a book out there and someone's just written their own like story of what happened and it's like she actually had an entire life. Like imagine mm. if it did actually yeah. freeze her each time, but when she when she, she went off world and shit. Yeah, like at the end of the first three thousand three hundred years, she she hung around for twenty years just like reading the ancient repository of knowledge yeah. or something like that. That could be a cool book. That would be cool. I mean, I wouldn't read it, but it could be. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth Weir book pass. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was a you know Shepherd or Taylor even. Something um something I did notice, and I think one of the reasons why I do love this episode so much is the music as well. I found it was really, really good. Like it was that it was that SG1 piano music that normally mm. I feel like is saved mm. for like Jack Sam moments. But I yep. thought it was quite interesting that they decided to use it here um for Elizabeth. Enjoy the moment. It's here right now. The sun. The breeze.
Life is quick. Not for you. That was my choice, Elizabeth. I didn't second guess it then. And I don't regret it now. Ah, oh, love it. <laughs> Give me goosebumps. I think every time she's talking about what she's like, remember what Nareem said? Like, that's what is in my head. <laughs> remember what Simon said? You mean Nareem? What kind of idiot recast a huge character like Nareem as her husband or whatever? Retarded. Yeah, so dumb. Music. So dumb. <laughs> I guess the other part too, it, it's, it's, it's a funny day for me to have watched this episode because I was listening to a podcast um, this afternoon where they had on this bloke, I wrote his name down, David Sinclair. And some people might recognize him because he's apparently in all these lists of like one what have I got? One of Time's 100 most you know, influential people in the world. He's a award-winning biologist, professor in genetics, but he's oh, yeah. got profound work in aging and anti-aging. And he was talking about the fact that, like, what he's working on, they're, they're reversing the age of cell. Like, they're reversing the aging gene. He said, like, you know, the things that kill us, you know, whether it's your cancers and your heart disease and all this other stuff. He goes, that's all stuff. You can't catch cancer. You know, um, kidney failure isn't 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 contagious. He said it's just it's all there, but our lifestyle choices and the way that we you know eat and exercise and blah blah blah, all the different things that go into our body, um, it's like they awaken that that's those genes or whatever, and those mm. the things that kill us. So if we can learn to, you know, reverse the aging process and get them back to a healthy stage, we can prolong life. And it would be as simple as taking like you know an antibiotic type drug for a couple of weeks to just refresh ourselves. And he said, I, I think he's 50. And he said, by the end of his life, whatever, you know, ironically, whatever age that would be, he said, he thinks it'll be normal, much more normal for people to be living beyond a hundred. And that, you know, we might be getting to a stage where we're going to be living to about 120. Whereas, you know, yeah. however long ago people were dying at 50 now is more like, you know, your 80 mark or your mid eighties is, is a good innings. You know, if you mm. get to 90, you've done well. If you get to 95 or a hundred outstanding, but you know, the idea of, well, how long do you want to live? Because, you know, the, the concept of immortality comes up all the time. And, you know, you even you know, us, you know, in our stupid chats, you know, on Messenger or something, we might text each other. It's like, you know, you want to think about what superpower would you have? And if you could time travel, what would you go back to? What date or what event? And it's like, well, if you could live forever, would you? And, you know, you get people, and I, I want to say that people that have never thought about that because they don't have geeky friends like us that want to ask them stuff, they think about, they go, oh, yeah. I'd live forever, of course, because I don't ever want to die. And it's like, yeah, but, and I'm not saying that I want to die, but I need stretch of the imagination, but the idea of living forever, it's like, well, at what yeah, point like is, yeah, <laughs> at what point is, <laughs> is enough enough? And, and I guess if you're going to live yeah. forever, at what age do you want to stop? I'm 35 in eight weeks time. Do I want to stop now at 34? Cause I, I like the way that mm -hmm. I look or that I like where I am in my life. Sure. I probably would have been happy seven years ago as well. I might not dislike 40. Do I want to get to a hundred and go, well, now you're going to live forever at a hundred. Do I want to be that for forever? Mm -hmm. um, no. I think I'd like to hibernate for long periods or. Yeah. That's, I don't think you know what I mean. If you could live me. forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like in like in Elizabeth Weir style, is you know. Yeah. See what happens. That's just, wake up in a couple of hundred years. That's tomorrow. just because you guys are 
tired and you need a rest. <laughs> I do. Probably. I do, do need a rest. Um, but... No, I had a very similar <laughs> conversation. Shout out to um, Jacob, who's uh, one of our listeners who's been uh, slipping into my DMs. He's a he's a classic LA stoner. So I do get messages from him late at night when he's just, you know, theorizing. He's, he's the one that <laughs> I, I sent it to you guys a while back. He sent us one about if a tokra has sex with its symbiote, is it oh, masturbation yes. or rape? You know, those kind of... And we did have a, mm. a, a question because uh, I don't know if either of you guys have seen it. There's a great show. Um, it just finished up last year, I want to say, called The Good Place with mm. um, Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. And we were talking about that because it really does get really into the nitty gritty of that. Is it's like, okay, you know, all the boomers think, you know, when you die, you're all going to go to heaven. And it's like, well, if you live forever in heaven, how long before you're bored? Like how long before you've literally done everything that there is possible to do if heaven is just like the best video game ever and you can do whatever you like how yeah. how many thousands of years before you're just bored and you're just can't like, wait for this update <laughs> <laughs> so it's like okay what's what's after the afterlife like what happens up? yeah so it's 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 a really cool have to, I yeah to be honest i'd rather live forever on this earth then go to heaven because heaven just sounds dull yeah <laughs> to me all the nerds are you know for me heaven would have to be like the matrix like or, or you know a, a, a reality of your own making because if you have to fit into that place what is that place like i yeah. know what this is down here you know i might yeah. not know how the world really works and i'm just some you know naive you know chump that goes to work and comes home and pays his taxes and i don't really know who actually runs the world or anything but yeah if you weren't able to die and go to heaven which is just you plugged into the matrix and and making up your own you know virtual reality then it's like yeah why why would you in a way i i highly recommend then both of you go and watch the good place it's only like four seasons and it's like 12 or 13 episodes a season i think maybe 16 mm. Yeah, I've watched. Um, I've watched half of it. I think really, really good. Or at least two, two or three seasons. Yeah, no. yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, it was just I don't know. It just started playing in my mind watching this episode. Like the idea that this person knows that they've been alive for this. I mean, again, we don't know that she isn't three days older than when she yeah. went to sleep the first time. Mm. Like in terms of how many memories she has, like yeah. how much yeah. time she has actually experienced. Yeah, like I yeah. love the idea of what you guys are saying, that she actually went off world and she had a family or she had adventures or studied up and yeah. she knows more about the ancients than even Janice did and all that sort of stuff. I, but let, you know, for the sake of the argument, she That would might, have been cool, she... I think. That would have been even cooler. Instead mm. of just chilling out in Atlantis by yourself for 10,000 years, that sounds mm. sad. Yeah. I think it's because now I'm like, you know, we're living at a time. It's like, well, it's the best time to be alive for this reason and that reason and that reason. You know, we're not dying because, you know, we don't catch the cold and we're dead. You know, we're not, you know, like we've got so many advances and all these different things that make life so great. You know, there's obviously a lot of other dangers out there and, you know, it's it, it, it can be very bad in a lot of other times as well. But I'm like, we just had something land on Mars last week and it's like, when are we... When are we going to start doing space travel? It's like, oh, I feel like we're right on the cusp of some really mm. cool shit. I would love mm. to be a part of that. You know, I'd love to, you know, at one stage, at what stage to, and, you know, probably never happen because the, 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 the high up places where you've got enough selfish people that, you know, whatever they do, 
the planet well that they're only going to be replaced by more selfish people that are only worried yeah. about themselves and making money for the people that got them there and of course that's just the way that the world works within their own world so that's never going to change but i'm like yeah enough people talk about it and so it's it's enough of the people that i talk to because i care about that sort of stuff so it's like what if we were only 50 years away from real true change on on that sort of stuff? i want to be around for that i want to see the world be less polluted and be you know green and animals come back and all that sort of stuff and and i i want to i don't know i want to see what my grandkids are going to see like i feel like that world yeah. could be amazing you know mm. um they'll be taking holidays to the I mean, moon but... they'll, they'll be taking holidays to the moon yeah yeah that's what i think that's like, what I mean, like hibernation like is to, better yeah yeah to hibernate would be cool because you'd be like oh i saw it from you know the first nintendo to whatever it's going to be in a thousand years if we don't kill ourselves yeah, yeah. it could be, be amazing you know, so many people romanticize the past and it's like oh if i had the opportunity i'd travel back to medieval times and do all that's like the smell <laughs> the smell alone guys no thank you uh, well, <laughs> yeah. i was watching this episode my wife was watching outlander and a guy nearly died because he got just like a harmless snake bite and he couldn't get mm. help because he had to walk everywhere. And it's like, he can't call someone on a cell phone. I'm like, mm. no, thanks. Um, they had to yeah. fashion that no spoilers for season five. Uh, they had to fashion uh, a needle Mate, a syringe out of like, honestly, I'm like, who wants to <laughs> actually, the interesting thing was about that. I'm watching this episode before I sleep and I look up and she's watching it with captions and Jamie, um, says to whatever the chick's name is, because obviously I only know what the name of the handsome bloke is. He looks at her and he says, do this, blah, 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 before I sleep. And I'm like, oh my God. Like the only moment that I look wow. up on screen, he said the title. It's like, oh, I did that. Leo, that's the Leo. It's the Leo gif. It's the Leo meme mm-hmm. um, pointing at the screen. There it was. There it was. So, um, Sasser yeah. Nick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't talk about it too much in this household. My, uh, my wife's so hot. Buckles at the knees, yeah. Even as a fifty-five-year-old, he's still jacked. <laughs> <laughs> we're, just, we're just ruining the illusion out there for some people. It's not even funny because he's so stupidly handsome. He's so young. We actually share the same birthday too. It's like it popped up one year, and Sarah's like, "Oh my god, it's Sam Hewen's birthday." And I'm like, "I know it's my birthday, but it's also Gal Gadot's birthday." So Yahoo for beautiful oh, people. Yeah. Before my phone dies, I just want to ask. How did they incinerate old love? Yeah. Oh. I think it's why maybe like I thought just the... conveniently has her ashes and I'm like, what? Traditionally in like Stargate, you put them in the event horizon, mm. kawoosh, yeah. wormhole opening. Do you, do you reckon tying in with, with what she was doing in her, in her off time, do you think maybe she was trying to like straddle a, um, a drone and just exploded and, and that was left? Like, straddle a drone just get I mean, this right up just trying to get it right up there just you know Why? <laughs> and i feel like yeah, in lieu of of putting her into the event horizon like they do in sg1 they probably could have given her like a you know the soldier's burial thing where they strap her to a raft yeah. and push her out into the ocean because she had never seen atlantis yeah. like that it had always been underwater yeah. so like i know she looked at that when she first woke up properly she looked outside and saw it and said oh my god it worked like I feel yeah. like you know, even though she's dead, she would have appreciated just sailing off into the endless well, ocean. It, it was of the whatever planet we're on. It was the motif that was cut for time. There was a there was a continued um, supposed to be like when Carbiner wrote it. There was a continued sort of theme of the wind, and and even in that bit I played before, her talking her talking about breathing and 
and fresh mm. air and all that kind of stuff. So what it was supposed to be at the end was the we're honor, honoring something that she'd said that we never saw mm. about the fresh air. So she released her ashes mm. on the wind and the fresh just, air and all that kind of thing. So. I just like the idea that like, because when you saw the ash, even though she was like doing that gesture over a giant blue or green screen, it yeah. didn't look like it was the most successful ash drop mm. of all time. Like, and she was on a balcony. I just like the idea that she's when she had this emotional moment, she's spreading her own ashes and this great existential sort of thing, but on a lower deck, like Ford is like finally getting <laughs> his eggs Benedict and he's just laid out his breakfast. He's said, I'm going to go and treat myself. I'm going to go and have breakfast on the balcony and he like sits up there like 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 kevin McAllister in home alone like attaches the napkin to his shirt picks up his knife and fork and then just coughs a ten thousand year old bitch right into his face and all over his eggs (laughs) and we never know she thinks she's just given herself this wonderful beautiful (laughs) and she walks in at the start of the next episode and ford walks past her covered in dust like marv i don't even know he walks past and goes is we are you taste f- terrible. <laughs> Weir. Weir. Uh, Weary. <laughs> Wouldn't we want to keep around to harvest their organs or something? Like put it back in the stasis oh, pod? They're oh, useless. Yeah, At that idea. age, they're useless, no. mate. Nah. I don't know. She's been in like an Atlantis sarcophagus for the last 10,000 years. They're prime. Yeah. yeah, but she looks like she's 100. Like, yeah, but. There's kidney well, failure all over know. the place, mate. Like you're not going to want those kidneys. Fuck that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, maybe maybe take some blood, you know, if you need a transfusion or something. I don't know, but yeah. mm. cut her hair off. Great wig. She had wonderful hair. <laughs> <laughs> she looked great. They have a Halloween in a couple of months. She goes as her old self. <laughs> <laughs> she she kept the outfit. She walks around quoting Aladdin 10,000 years. I give you a such, such a great neck. <laughs> she um, she sends a team out to like kill and scalp a wraith, so she's got a white wing, yeah, that she can wear, yeah. and then the outfit. Yeah. She just does it. So she's the new Hammer to Six. Oh, now we're really we're bookending it but instead of hammond with his, his self-destruct fetish she's all of a sudden for us, some unknown reason she's got this really weird fetish of just masturbating in public all over atlantis when everyone goes to sleep but what she does is she wears the wig of her dead self and and the old costume so that if anyone sees her she's the ghost of old Weir. Yeah. She, she set herself i, I need task. everyone to leave the control room right now and put the sheets back on for <laughs> sake Rodney put the sheet down she you set herself she set herself the task to nut in every single room in Atlantis oh, she's just making her way it's like it's like when you get a new house and you're just like I'm gonna hit that room I'm gonna hit yeah. that room I'm gonna hit that room yeah, yeah. you gotta christen it yeah, yeah you gotta christen it well she's gonna christen every room in Atlantis one just one at a time Next week, we start off and Shepard's doing the same thing he was at the start of this episode. He's just going through. He's like, oh, what's in section, you know, B47A? She's like, don't go in there. Why? Yeah. Nothing's in there. How do you know? I've been, trust me, I know. Nothing's Elizabeth, we found some of your DNA in this laboratory. <laughs> your old set must, oh, must have everywhere. been everywhere. <laughs> must have been old Weir. I wonder what she was doing. Must have been alternate timeline Weir. Yeah. 
There's security footage of you. Yeah, she, I mean, like, there'd be security footage of her yeah. for 10,000 years, obviously. Like, yeah. Jesus. Weird, right? Literally, <laughs> my, my note is, I wonder in those 3,000-year intervals if she finger-banged all over the control panels. <laughs> oh, literally, I mean, my note. Yeah. You do not want to run a blacklight over, uh, over ops. Like, it's no. not going to be pretty. And hey, look, yeah. for anyone who might be, might be downing it, okay? <laughs> This is not this is not a gender thing, okay? If this was Shepard, oh, we'd no. be saying the same oh, yeah. shit. All right. If anything, yeah, we'd, well, be we'd going... say it about Hammond all the time. <laughs> well, that's true. We'd be we'd be going harder at it. That. No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> yes. um, if it was Shepard or Rodney or even Ford. Oh, Ford. He would find go- no time to save the future. <laughs> oh, that's all he'd be doing. I reckon he would, I reckon he'd be like, I forgot how to do it, but I don't know how to jack off. <laughs> I, Does in, that help? In my mind, I can see no, it no I can forward. see it perfectly. Like when it first occurs to Weir, like she gets out after the first three thousand years, she swaps the ZPMs and pulls like the empty ZPM out and just kind of looks at it. And just like oh. <laughs> well, it's got no I use now. It. All right, that is episode 179 of Get Into Gate. Really happy that we're able to uh, bookend uh, our disgusting uh, summary of this episode. Mate, uh, it's how I like to bookend every day in, in my, you know, in my everyday life. I know. That's why I can't call you at certain times of the day. Mm. You've made that very, very clear. It's also awkward when, like, you're on the radio at, like, 7 in the morning, you know, in the background, you know, just reading the sport. <laughs> really got to you know i've got to mute that it gets in the way of what i need to do does it though <laughs> we will i sound like a broken record and a broken record that's properly broken because it doesn't mean what it says we will be back next week to talk more stargate but back in the milky way galaxy sg1 we're talking citizen oh, joe Matthew. it's a big one it's a biggie I tell you, I tell you what, Brendan. Like, get your brother on board. Like, if there's any episode we need Reese back for, it's Citizen Joe. For sure. Get amongst it. Because you don't even need to watch what we've watched, really, with that, do you? Nah, you don't need yeah, to know anything so. about. In I don't. I mean, I don't know if Reese has been watching, like, watching season eight at all. But you yeah, don't need sure. to know anything about season eight to enjoy Citizen mm. Joe. Yeah. It's just a yeah. little free for all, all on its own. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Anyway, we'll be talking about that next week. Otherwise, uh, you can uh, you know, jump on the socials, check us out on the socials, hit us up, send us a long-form email for our uh, hairy mailbag and you know all that stuff. Copy, paste, and hey, whatever. Look, you've been here before. You've heard it all before. And if you don't want to <laughs> sleep on the podcast, there we go. Check out our Patreon. I mean, what's been going on there, Matthew? We're not a lot. We're sleeping on the Patreon ourselves. We apologize for that. <laughs> um, Ironically, we've been waiting for here to get back and fix that. So that's it. Yes. We need to get back and do the podcast before we before we can do special features for Patreon. We need to actually make the podcast so we have special features mm. and outtakes and early access and uh, merch and all that kind of stuff as well. But I did want to welcome a couple of new patrons: um, Osian, Osian, Osian J. Osian J is a fucking cool name. Let's go with that. Yeah, Osian J. Boom. And then the opposite of that, someone who's just got way too many names. Welcome, Christian Rom Mainz Anderson. Excellent. Welcome. Welcome. What's this going, Chris? Let's just shorten Christian to Chris. Chris. Yeah. I like Rom. I don't mind Rom. Yeah. 
Rom's good. Rom's a Star Trek character, though, I just realized. Damn it. Ah, that's okay. I'll allow it. And we're not going to confuse him with anyone else because we've never had a Rom before. So let's go with Rom. True that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just wanted to say for, I think now after five years of this podcast, this being our fifth year, I feel like my one of my favorite things about what we might have done or changed is the fact that Maddie started out, especially in Emancipation, being the feminist of the group. And now the first thing he brought up in this podcast was Elizabeth Weir finger-banging herself in every room of Atlantis. Mate, there's, no, um, there's nothing I'm more, very proud. There's nothing more <laughs> empowering than a woman exploring her own body. I'm so sex positive. You know, there's no, there's no need to shame women for exploring <sighs> their bodies sexually. You know, well, they can... No. No, we're all for it. Just, Some would argue know? that that's, you know... If we had have said it first, could be sexist, but not me. <laughs> not me. No, That's hilarious. Sex, sex positive, mate. You know. <laughs> I mean, imagine what kind of weird and wonderful sex toys the ancients invented. I mean, yeah, yeah. They seem to have progressed. They were pretty evolved elsewhere. Everywhere they could go, yeah. it's like, well, that's why go out when. Mm. The only place to go now is in, you know. They like, probably have yeah. just like a pill that causes instant orgasm. Like you just take a pill and oh, oh, oh god, <laughs> orgasmo! boy. <laughs> they like that. They progressed and evolved to a point where it just became boring. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, take this, inject this. I can't They've believe we now got a microchip where the G spot is, and you just press a button. Yeah, <laughs> just boom. Just like one of those like. And so there's, there's someone did like a, um, a a test on a on a laboratory mouse, and it was like it, there was two buttons in front of it, and one button was like connected to electrodes in its in its brain and gave it an orgasm, and the other button gave it food. That mouse starved to death. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a male mouse. <laughs> All right, Maddie. If anyone else wants to slide into your DMs, like our uh, weird friend uh, on the bong in LA, where, where are they going to go? Oh, we're becoming mates now. It's fantastic. Uh, hit me up, high pitched Maddie. Brendan, where can we jump into yours? I'm at the Bren Gibson on all the things. All the things, and I am good. Mitch underscore Lewis in life and online. On TikTok, I'm talk to your pussy. <laughs> Get into Geek.